Hello, I'm Kathy. And I'm Gary. And this is Torah Talk. Welcome to Torah Talk, the intersection of the mundane and the miraculous. Here we have bold conversations about faith, culture, and politics, and where we fit into God's plans in the 21st century. If you could partner with God, would you? You know, Gary, the mission of our podcast, it's always been to share biblical truth, right? Absolutely. God's truth. Without a doubt. You know, it's not our mission to stir up controversy or cause problems, but <laughs> I think we can both agree that, you know, truth, God's truth is not always comfortable. No. Even with believers. Well, could you, again, because of traditions of man that have masked the truth for so long, we're talking truth, but it seems foreign. Exactly. You know, I was thinking our topic today is not going to be comfortable for everyone in our audience and, and, and certainly not for the church. I'm putting a quote marks in the air. Okay. Uh, I'll let the audience know that not for the church at large, but we're going to go for it anyway, because that's what we do. We've just celebrated um, another biblical holiday. Now, many in the church know this holiday as Pentecost. And I think that all of us can agree that Pentecost is a celebration of God's gift of the Holy Spirit to his believers, as kind of a celebration of God's spirit coming to dwell within man's heart. Now, because of this amazing event that we read about at the beginning of the book of Acts, many churches celebrate this particular holiday as the birth of air quotes, the The church. church. (laughs) (laughs) Now, here's where the controversy starts, okay? Mm -hmm. You and I both agree labeling this holiday as the birth of the church has caused huge problems. Yes, it has. You know, so in doing so, the church has successfully managed to cut itself off from its Hebraic, Jewish, I'll say biblical roots, right? Mm -hmm. And in effect, the church claims to spring up out of nowhere. Yeah. You know, no context, no history, no foundations. And we know that saying how nature hates a void, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So very quickly after this so-called birth, the church adopted much of the pagan culture around it. Now, this concept is known as syncretism, okay? And many of our audience have probably heard it. We've talked about it. That's that idea of mixing two unlikely things together Mm -hmm. or trying to do so. Now, without even realizing it, the church divorced itself from its Hebraic roots and married itself to paganism. Now, after this break, let's talk about what really happened at Pentecost and let's talk Torah. Long ago, God declared his redemptive plans for the world he created. Unfortunately, most people have ignored these plans. Now, as the end draws near, believers and non-believers are being irresistibly drawn to the celebration of the biblical feasts which outline God's plan of redemption for mankind in the world. If you found yourself curious about the biblical feasts and you want to know how and why Christians celebrate these holidays, read Declaring the End from the Beginning, Our Past and Future Revealed in the Biblical Feasts. In this book, author Kathy Martirosian delves into the history and culture surrounding the biblical feast days of ancient Israel 
as well as how Yeshua, our Messiah, has fulfilled four of these holy days in the past and how he will fulfill the other three when he returns. Visit TorahTalk21.com to purchase Declaring the End from the Beginning, our past and future revealed in the Biblical Feasts. Okay, welcome back, audience. I just mentioned that we had just celebrated another biblical holiday. And some of you in your churches may have celebrated Pentecost, and not all do. You know, that's different churches. You might mention it or maybe not. Yeah, I think I think that's you know, the reason we get the word Pentecostal is because there yes. are those who see this as, as a, a major event. Yes. Uh, and, and then there are... And I, rightly so. And it rightly was a major, so. major and event. And there are others, I think, that, that maybe uh, gloss over a little bit more. Exactly. This holiday known as Pentecost, many of you may not know, is actually the ancient biblical holiday of Shavuot, which means weeks, right. okay, W-E-E-K-S, and it is one of the seven uh, biblical holidays described in the book of Leviticus. And over um, the our podcast, we've talked about some of these holidays. We've talked about Passover and Yom Teruah and so forth. Now, if you'll remember, just as a quick recap, audience, Passover unleavened bread and first fruits all occur in the spring, and about 50 days later is the biblical holiday that we're going to talk about today, okay? 50 days after the Feast of First Fruits. And then in the fall, we have the final three holidays, the Day of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, we know and we always talk about the biblical holidays because we know that how important they are because they illustrate God's plan of redemption for mankind. Yeah, I mean, God, nothing God, more important. God's painting a picture for us and reminding us. They are great reminders. We have the weekly reminder of the Sabbath, and then we have annual reminders. Throughout. And we need reminders because yes, we, we forget. And especially as we get older, <laughs> yeah. we forget. And as the church gets older, as they call yeah. it the church, right? Yes, okay. Yes. Uh, we get further and further away from our or and from the origins. Um, we forget these things. So the spiritual holidays, uh, you know, the first four were fulfilled spiritually during Yeshua's first visit to earth, his first advent. And the last three holidays will be spiritually fulfilled when Yeshua returns. That's why they're also very, very important to us is because they are pic- uh, painting this picture, like you said, this picture of redemption. Yeah. And the it's much better than the ABCs of salvation. This is God's original plan God's for selling the gospel plan and his his original masterpiece and that's why i feel so strongly at times when people mess with that masterpiece and so before we get too far into this podcast kathy i'd like to just clarify that you know when we often use english names for the feast and then there's the hebrew names example passover is pesach and unleavened bread hakak matzah you know mm-hmm. it's a, it's matzah um, yeah we've got that unleavened bread or first fruits habikorim but when we come when it comes to this feast, the English name for Shavuot is not Pentecost. Right. It's weeks. 
and yet so we we've got this this idea that that Pentecost is equivalent to Shavuot in, in you know or uh, synonymous let's put it that way synonymous, synonymous. yes translated so, yeah. as so we're going as we go today we'll we'll get into that a little bit as to what the difference is it's just like when i mentioned Yom Trua versus Rosh Hashanah in one of our other podcasts Yom Trua is the biblical feast and it's the feast of trumpets Rosh Hashanah is a man-made tradition yes and this is where Pentecost i think kind of is is equivalent when it comes to man-made traditions of what that word and what this feast means. Right. You know, you, you were talking about Pentecost comes from the Greek word, which means 50. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's reasons why they're using that sure. word, right? Yes. Um, because we're told in the Bible to celebrate this holy day. Basically, it's 50 days after the previous biblical holiday. Now, it's it's said, it, it's also said in the Bible um, that it's going to be seven weeks. Right. Okay. So that's where they get the biblical holiday Shavuot, okay, which is a a plural, uh, it means weeks, okay? Mm -hmm. Shavuot is week and Shavuot is plural. Now, so the Hebrew name is Shavuot and it does mean weeks. And this comes from, if you're reading Leviticus 23, 15, it says, from the day after the Sabbath, the day you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, which was during the feast of first fruits, count off seven full weeks. Shavuot. Okay. Then it says count off 50 days. Mm. Okay. So we know where they get that. Right. right? Okay. Um, And and until the seventh Sabbath and present an offering of new grain to the Lord. So, so we see where they get that, but in translating it differently than what the original Hebrew means, once again, you're kind of setting yourself up as a different Holiday, yeah, it sets it up to se- that separation, um, that like you mentioned, divorce from its Hebraic mm-hmm. root. I mean, most people, and when you look at the just the the language in in Acts, where it says the day of in the English, it says that the day of Pentecost had fully come. Well, if you look at that in, from a Hebraic standpoint, this was a date that you counted out. We count the Omer for 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 um, forty nine days, mm-hmm. and on that. 50th day, we know that the Feast of Shavuot has fully come. Exactly. That it's a reference to no, not one day early, not one day late. Exactly on God's time. On God's timing is this Feast of the Lord. Yes, exactly. And God's timing is critical as we've yes. come to learn. It's not, it's not, oh, maybe this day or maybe that day. Right. It's exactly when God says he's going to set his appointments. If you'll remember, audience, these the word used in Leviticus for all of these holidays is moedim, mm-hmm. which means appointment. Right. Okay, God, God is, is setting appointments with us. And if we think of it in those terms, and, and Gary, I have to, re- I keep reminding people, Use that terminology appointment so you get it in your head how very important it is. Absolutely. I mean, we've done this before, but I'll say it again. I mean, you wouldn't show up 24 hours early for a doctor's appointment. Never. You never. You you wait until the appointed time. Or if you you don't show up at all, why would you do that? Because or not show up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, that would even be more dangerous, especially if there's a health issue. Yeah. But or the president of the United States or some dignitary, you have a time to meet with them. You show up on the appointed 
time. Exactly. And here is our, our creator, Jehovah himself, wanting to meet with us. Don't you think we should make those appointments? I'm going to say something. I didn't actually plan this, but it just came up the other day. And I'm going to give some advice to the audience. If you believe that these appointments are important, I would advise all of you to get either a Hebraic Roots calendar or write the dates of these appointments as much as possible. I know there's counting involved and so forth, but at least if you look at a Hebraic Roots calendar, they will tell you basically when these holidays uh-huh. are so that you can start wrapping your mind around, okay, this is the season, this is the week, um, Maybe I shouldn't plan something else during this time, because if you don't make those plans out and be thinking in terms uh, of that, just like you do Christmas, I mean, for heaven's sakes, we know when Christmas is and we prepare for Christmas and we look forward to it and we plan for it, you know, and sometimes I found people when they're just starting to learn, or even if they've been learning about their Hebraic roots, they, they don't plan for these holidays right. in advance. They kind of sneak up on them. So then I hear excuses like, oh, well, I've already planned a vacation for that day. I'm going to be, or I'm already, I got a big work trip that I'm doing mm. because the mindset is we haven't wrapped ourselves into God's calendar right. yet. You know, yeah, so it, it, so it has to it has to be very deliberate. But let's get back to this Pentecost idea. You know, many people in the church know it as the birth of the church. That mm-hmm. is what is taught. If you Google Pentecost, you will pull up over and over and over. It says the birth of the church, Pentecost. Yeah, I think in Pentecostal circles, that's what you will hear. And if and, and I've told this story before. I don't know if, if I've told it to this audience uh, about an. Uh, a Hebrew guide that I had, it was Orthodox, and we asked him purposely, I asked him purposely so he could share it with our tour, um, who, what, what, is, what would you consider the birth of the church? And he said 325 A.D. Ah, Constantine. Constantine, because that's when it was codified, you know, these, these practices that we're about to speak of. Um, so you have this, in, in, a, in a sense, you have this rewriting of history as you go back from 325 A.D. to this date when the disciples had this event and this experience so that they could say that was when the church, church. air quotes, was formed. When, in fact, what we're going to talk about now, uh, we'll, we'll see. Well, what we're, what we're going to learn here and what many of you may or may or may not realize, and I'd say most in the church don't know, is that this this holiday that they they say, okay, this is Pentecost and it mm-hmm. started here, that this holiday is one of the ancient biblical holy days right. that the, the Jewish people had been celebrating for millennia. They had been studying, celebrating these things. And so that Pentecost was not a new thing for them. No. In, f- in fact, it's something important to, to remind our audience too is that there were three three uh, feasts that they were men were required to be in Jerusalem. Yes. Passover, Pesach, Shavuot, the one we're talking mm-hmm. about now, and Sukkot, Tabernacles. So the reason why you had men from all over the known world at uh, in Jerusalem for this event was because they were keeping this feast. They were keeping the feast. They yeah. were keeping Torah. That's why they were there. Yeah. And um, 
that's really insightful. Okay, you keep that in in your head. And it mm-hmm. wasn't just any men from around the the world. It was the Jewish exactly men and their families from yeah. around the world because the pagans sure as heck weren't no, coming up no, this for was, this. This, this was, was a feast of the Lord, the, the Lord. And, and the only ones worshiping the Lord Yehovah were, were the, the Jewish, Jewish people. people. Yes. Right. You know when the church separated itself and said, okay, this is the birth of the church, and it divorced itself from its biblical Hebraic roots, it it leaves a void, as I said earlier, something has to fill the void. Very, very quickly, paganism and pagan practices and culture started to fill that void. We know that as syncretism, okay, the fusing of different systems of beliefs, sometimes irreconcilable beliefs okay and paganism trying to mix that in with the 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 true worship of yehovah irreconcilable irreconcilable torah commands against it exactly worship me as as the pagans do yes i mean definitely oil and and water here i I had to talk about this scene because this reminded me when i was thinking about syncretism (laughs) i i watched the i watched the office and i've watched it many many times and there's a scene where michael scott he's contemplating the creation of like a new god to sacrifice to (laughs) and he says perhaps it could be something with the body of an egret and the head of a meerkat and he thinks and he thinks (laughs) or perhaps the head of a monkey and the antlers of a reindeer and the body of a porcupine (laughs) and and you're looking at it you're laughing so loud because you recognize how ridiculous this Mm -hmm. mixing is that michael scott is doing and yet he's connecting it to religion which is very interesting okay this idea of mixing all this stuff together and it's like that's nuts but you know constantine who you mentioned earlier did the very same thing he created this porcupine egret meerkat thing (laughs) that's a great way to put it now i'll forever hold that yes you know so he tries to merge christianity with pagan sun worship you know he claims that the christians should worship on the venerable day of the sun okay total mixing total syncretism we get in of course and we've talked about the easter eggs the christmas trees and stuff like that um it was because there was a void when you cut it off from its roots and its history and its context that had to be filled mm-hmm. and so that's what was happening naturally was the filling up of that void yeah i think it was the filling of the void and the desire to uh to unify his kingdom oh yes yes so no stepping on toes we've got to make everybody happy and you know how that is exactly it's impossible exactly and and that brings us up to the idea that one of the first biblical principles uh, right straight off in the bible is that concept god principle of dividing and separating Mm -hmm. you know he starts with dividing darkness from light day from night the earth from the heavens the land from the sea of course you fast forward abraham from the world isaac from ishmael jacob from esau Israel from the rest of the world. That's the biblical principle yeah, is dividing a, and separating. That's a great list too. Kathy. Everybody yeah, well to done. Well done. <laughs> but it's it's so obvious when it you is. read it. I mean, there's yes. it's not rocket science. No. Okay. No. But I remember when I first heard that concept, 
It did seem like rocket science because that wasn't what I had been taught in the church. It's not what we're taught in the church, but that's really the definition of, of holy, right? Exactly. Set apart for, yes. the, for God's purpose. Yes. He sets apart. Yes. You know, God doesn't didn't want Israel to fuse their worship of him with pagan worship practices. He didn't want them to, you know, to syncretize things. And in fact, in fact so much so that you almost have to laugh in Deuteronomy 12, this is what God really thinks, okay? Mm-hmm. If you want to know what God really thinks, Let's okay, about these other pagan worship practices, and don't mention it. He says, destroy completely all the places on the high mountains and the hills and under every spreading tree where the nations you're dispossessing, dispossessing worship their gods. Break down their altars, smash their sacred stones, burn their Asherah poles in the fire, cut down the idols of their gods, and wipe out their names from those places. You must not worship the Lord your God in their way. It's a shame he's so vague there. Huh? Oh my gosh, <laughs> we have to fill in voids there. I mean, come on, he is so clear. Right. There's not any doubt in that, that any little bit of paganism should not ever have made its way into worship of him. Crystal clear. Crystal clear. Yeah. And, and, and yet it did. Uh It did. It made itself (laughs) into a really big way and into every little bitty corner Leaven, the idea, remember, okay, he said the leavening, little bit of leaven gets into everything, you know? You know, and we're, you know, we're very kind, Kathy, you know, we don't, we're not God. And so often we, we say, well, you know, people's hearts are in the right place. And we, we, we try, maybe sometimes we soft pedal this a little bit. God never did. And so we, maybe maybe we need to maybe, uh, you know, think about how, uh, how hard Yes, and how, I, you know. All you have to do is share that mm-hmm. that verse, okay? Mm-hmm. Deuteronomy 12, 2 through 4. You don't have to say anything. You and I don't have to add a single word yeah, to yeah. that verse, okay, yeah. at all to get exactly how God feels about this mixing and mingling. Mm-hmm. That's just nothing. So now if we get back to what happened, what really happened at Pentecost, um, you, we read about that in the book of Acts. And Gary, could you read this um, straight? I, I, I want to hear it straight from the book of Acts, okay? okay. I, I've got it here. Uh, you, all of you have heard it before, but but let's let's hear it again. Okay, I'm not sure which version this is, but again, I mentioned earlier when the day of Pentecost had fully come was very Hebraic. Um, But this says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together. They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. There it is, God-fearing Jews from every nation. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't Aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, 
Uh, you had to set me up, didn't you? I set you fear, up for this. Fear me up and feel me up. Egypt and parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, They've had too much wine. <laughs> so like we said... Um, why, why were, first of all, who was there? Jews. Jewish people it's from very all clear. over the known world. All over. It says exactly that right here in the word. Why were they there? Deuteronomy 16, I don't know if we identified it when we mentioned it earlier. Deuteronomy 16 is where it says that three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place he will choose at the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, Shavuot, mm -hmm. and the Feast of Booths or of Tabernacles. That's the commandment mm -hmm. that they were all obeying. So, so think, just think about this in perspective for a moment. If the Jewish people, Jewish men in this case, but they did have their families, had not been obedient to Torah, had not been keeping this command and going into Jerusalem, there would not be this group of people there to experience what God was going to do. And he was as, as he was setting up an opportunity for the world to hear the good news of the Torah and the Messiah and the the the. That was the beginning of the movement that now has been labeled the beginning of the church. And this is as good a time as any to talk about the blessing of obedience, mm. the blessings of obedience. Yeah. It's because they were obedient in the place where they were supposed to be at the time. Exactly. It wasn't like, okay, got an appointment, check you out 24 hours later or something like that. Right. Uh, if they had not been obedient, this movement, okay, this 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 new this Holy Spirit coming, it there wouldn't have been anybody for him to come to. Well, you and I you wouldn't know, be sitting we here. We would today. not be sitting here if those obedient those Jews were not obedient. And so let's put that in a little bit of context too, then because this feast is also a first fruits feast, is it not? Yeah. We have the barley harvest in the in the uh, um, in in the time of um, Pesach, yes. unleavened bread and barley harvest, and then now you have the wheat harvest, and so it's a first fruit. It's also called a first fruit feast. Yes. I believe there's there's reason for this this counting down this specific time uh, for the first fruit of the renewing of the covenant. We're, I think, I think for a moment now, two thousand years, we've been, we've been the first fruits of the renewing of the covenant because the final harvest, the final renewing of that covenant, we'll see if you know if if this is life, life for uh, what is what is how does Romans say it? Um, how much more the fullness? The fullness, how much yes. More the fullness. Yes, if this exactly. Was life for us as yes. the Gentiles, yes. how much more the fullness? Exactly. I think that yeah. will be the completion of the the renewing the, of the renewing covenant. of the covenant. So I I think once again it's just important to 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 remember that because these people were obedient were obedient you and i are here everyone in this audience is here mm -hmm. um keep that in mind when we talk about the concept of obedience I, um how powerful obedience is 
could God have worked it out some other way? Yeah, he can do anything he wants. But that's what he does is he uses those who are willing to do what he says. Yeah, because it was all set up so long ago. Well, you know, when God chose Abraham and and to, to, to bring restoration to the world, and then we see what God says to Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. He says, you will be a nation. And the word there is basically a, a growth of his own nation. But then it also says, then a, and a kahal goim, a, a collection uh, or a, a gathering of nations. That's us. That's us. So that when God said that to Jacob, do you think he had this date in mind, a Shavuot, when the, when the world would receive this message? Yes, so it would he go did. To he the knew nations? it. You now, know, now, Jacob didn't know that. No, Jacob didn't know it, but God did. He, but he still just had to be faithful. Yes. Do what God said, just like Abraham, mm-hmm. just like we do every day. Yes. You know? Look to Genesis 35 uh, for the audience. I made a reference there, Genesis 35, verse 11, because uh, we, after all, this is talk Torah. And this is where it all begins. God mentions that this would happen in a in a in a veiled way, that the nations would would come in. Now again, this is still Jews, Jewish people who are the, for those from or the known world taking the word to the nations. The Gentiles haven't come in yet. That's right. But this is how it got started. Exactly. You know, if you read on. Um, It says that Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. (laughs) No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. Then he goes to quote the prophet Joel. Mm -hmm. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So Peter continues to quote from the prophet Joel, and interestingly, not all that he prophesied, not all that was prophesied, actually happened at Yeshua's first coming. I believe some of it's going to be happening yeah. at his second coming, yeah. right? As you go on, like many times when they quote the prophets, they'll end mid-sentence. That's if you right. Look, do a study on that, and you can realize that part of it is being fulfilled early, and then there's part, part of, of it's, it's coming being, later. Yeah, it's coming exactly. Later. Yeah. But you know, the point is, Peter immediately drew everyone's attention back to the ancient Hebrew prophet. Joel. He was basically saying, none of this that you're witnessing makes any sense unless you have the context of the ancient Jewish prophets. And he goes on, unless you have the prophets, you have the history, you have the Torah, without these foundations, well, these people are just babblers. Right. They're pagan babblers. They're drunken babblers. It does not make sense. And see, I think that's what has happened to much of the church. And again, air quotes, is because of the lack of the context, the, the much of it doesn't make sense. So we fill it with our own theories and, and ideas about what this is. Yeah, filling the void. Fill in the uh, void. Exactly. Yeah. You know, Peter then goes on, his whole speech is quoting the uh, the 
Torah, the the the, 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 the Tanakh. Okay, right. so he quotes from Psalms next, Psalm 16, to prove that Yeshua is the Messiah, foretold by the ancient prophets and even King David, because he says Peter says David said about him, "I saw the Lord always before me, because He is at my right hand; I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will rest in hope, because You will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your holy one see decay. So what happened is Peter goes back to Psalm 16, which was then Psalm 16 was looking forward to Yeshua, whose right. body would not see decay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Peter knew that. And he saw the fulfillment. Okay? He saw the fulfillment. It yeah. made sense to him mm-hmm. because he he had been studying that all of his, all his life. life. They've quoted these Psalms and now they're seeing the reality of it. And just keep in mind, once again, a reminder, there was no such thing as a New Testament at That's the time right. that Peter made these comments. That's right. You know, he goes on in Acts 20, uh, 229, fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him an oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what is, was to come. He spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, and he was and he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. Okay, there's the quote. Okay, yeah. straight from Psalm, Psalm 16. God has raised this Jesus, this Yeshua, to life, and we are all witnesses, exalted to the right hand of God. He has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Mm-hmm. This spirit was promised way back in Joel. And Peter saw it and goes, whoa, this is what the prophet was talking about. And that to me is the way we're supposed to look at prophecy. Instead of thinking it as fortune telling, we look and we see it and say, there it is. There it is. But if you don't have that background to to look back, you have to have the reference and the context, right? Otherwise, it's just all out of the blue and it's, you know, you fill in all the pagan paganism to explain right. it. Yeah, because, uh, you know, why, why else would, would I mean, God, it, we're, we read and we're going to get to the prophet Jeremiah here, I know, in a moment. Uh, but he talks about this renewing of the covenant. Well, it, there have to be there had to be a way, a restored way to bring the word of God into the hearts of men. It was no longer going to be, uh, you know, we know. The future, we know from retrospect they didn't hear they didn't, right. that the the temple would be destroyed that the, the ark would disappear the t- the tablets of stone would no longer be available to them so where did that word have to reside it had to reside within in our the hearts. people yes and so the spirit of God is where that that the delivery system yes. so to speak to bring that into oh, our I hearts. love it yeah. I love it you know Peter says in uh, verse thirty six therefore let all Israel Be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. All Israel. He's talking to Israel right now. This concept that the nations are going to be brought in. He doesn't fully know. That hasn't happened yet. Okay. We see that starting with Cornelius a Mm -hmm. little bit later in the Mm -hmm. book of Acts, right? Right. But Peter knew that the Jewish people that were there that day, okay, at the temple, I believe, and we we didn't really even address this. I believe that that's the house where they were. It wasn't an upper room of somebody's house because you couldn't have accommodated everything that was happening there that day. If you read the entire story and there was thousands that that, that repented and then they were mikvah. Yes. And there were no 
we know that there are mikvahs all around the temple below the, the right. Those were not gates. at individual people's houses. They could not, they have, could not have done that, it. So right. the house was yeah. the house of, I'm, I'm of God. I'm pretty convinced that that had to be yes. where it was. But Peter knew that these Jewish people, they knew David. They respected, they honored him. The pagans might have known David, but they wouldn't have cared what David said about Israel's Messiah, you know. But Peter put everything into context because he knew they would respond to the message. And guess what? Verse 37 says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? The pagans wouldn't have cared. And thus the reason why there had to be a people on this planet to bring this to us, to bring the message of the Messiah. I I think it's so important that we keep it in context. The pagans would not have not understood any of this. And thus also to the people who say that the the Jews rejected Jesus and rejected all of this, uh, you know, this is so-called, that's why the church had to take it on. This is proof through the scripture that that's false. All of the early believers were of the Hebrews, Jewish. They were Jewish. Our Bible just told us that. It just told us that. You know, so they are the ones now that are going to respond to this message placed in context. It has true meaning to them. And so Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua, uh, Messiah, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, this promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all for all whom the Lord our God will call. Mm-hmm. So he's going, it's for you guys, okay, because it was. It's for your kids. You're going to go back home and tell them. And far off, he was still probably thinking in terms of the Jews who didn't make it, those who were in the diaspora who were too far to come, right? Right. But then eventually, prophetically, it was going to go to the world. Okay, so even further off than that. At this point, Peter did not realize that. He didn't know that. He he just didn't know. He did know the Jews were in the diaspora. He did know there were those left after the Babylonian dispersion. Yes, he knew that, but he did didn't realize that this right. message would go to the Gentiles. That's, exactly. Yeah. And you mentioned Cornelius a moment ago. Yes, and that's where it starts. That's where it starts. A few and chapters says, later, yes. they're going to start. And it it was a it was a tough lesson for him to learn. Yeah. You know, yes, he's like, was. wait, he's wait, like, wait, no, wait. I've <laughs> never touched anything unclean. And then he realizes that God was sending him to the Gentiles. Gentiles. And interprets his vision right there in that chapter mm-hmm. and says, God is no respecter of persons. And that was because he knew of this promise to go uh, and, and to Abraham to 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 make this uh, these other nations right. or bring these other nations in he knew all that context context context, context. context. they were a light to the nations exactly um you know there is so much to Shavuot we've talked about this idea of the blessing of obedience if they had not been obedient None of us would be here. But, you know, as you go back, Shavuot has some other interesting uh, things to talk about, too. You know, after the destruction of the temple in AD 70, which Peter and the apostles could not possibly have known about, okay, you know, um, well, Jesus did say that it was going to be, yeah, he did say that. He mentioned it, but I'm sure, you know, like... They still couldn't have imagined that. They could not have probably imagined the total destruction that Exactly. But the destruction did come, and... um, you know, this particular holiday was almost lost because the reason for the holiday of Shavuot and the things that they were supposed to do were all grounded in agricultural offerings, sacrifices done at the temple. 
no temple, no offerings, no sacrifices. What do you do with Shavuot? How do you keep it alive? It's right. not like Passover that has this commemorative meal with a historic event connected to it. That's a great it. point. It's not a memorial. It's and not Shavuot a memorial. Not like right. Yeah. So, you know, the rabbis were concerned that Shavuot would not survive. So they, they did something as they went and looked at scripture and they were trying to see if they, they could connect Shavuot and the timing of Shavuot with any kind of historical event in the Bible. And indeed, they found one that I think is quite interesting. Even though the Bible doesn't specifically say so, the timing worked to connect the giving of the commandments at Mount Sinai with the holiday of Shavuot. If you look at Exodus 19.1, on the first day of the third month after the Israelites left Egypt, on that very day, they came to the desert of Sinai. Yeah, the timing is The is timing there. is really there. Yeah. It's, it's there. So they get to Sinai, they hang out there for a while, while, and then you got that third month from there, from Pesach, okay, the right. first month, the month of Aviv, and you get exactly to and the you timing see the, of you Shavuot. See the imagery now, because now you have this kahal, this gathering, this gathering around the mountain, and they see God in the fire. They, 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 yes. The mountain is is surrounded by fire. Now you have this event happen at the at the temple where they see these so called tongues of fire. Yes. And now, so instead of again, instead of the the stone tablets, we see this first fruits of the renewed covenant where it's being written on, on the hearts. heart. So, so yeah. yes, so you're right that, that, um, that rushing wind, the mm-hmm. fire, very, yeah. very similar to what happened in Mount Sinai. Yes. And, you know, and Paul in second Corinthians three, he, he describes the believers in Yeshua at Corinth. And he goes, you yourselves are our, our letter written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry written, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. There right there, yeah. he's making that connection mm-hmm. between the te- what's written on stone and what's written on the heart. Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's a great point to drive home here today. Yeah. You know, so he connects with, uh, Gary, you mentioned the prophet Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And if you could read through some of this, we, you know, we have quoted Jeremiah 31 many times. Yeah. I can't get past how important Jeremiah 31 oh, is. Yeah. If you could go through a little bit of that. So uh, as a reminder. Okay. Je- Jeremiah 31, 31 says, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new, and the, the Hebrew word there is more of a renewed covenant. covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds and write them, write them in their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. There you go. There it is again. There's that connection between what happened at Sinai and what happened at this particular Shavuot. Yes, because the covenant there, remember, when, when Moses uh, uh, sprinkled the blood of the covenant on that on the, on the Torah scroll, they said, yes, all these things, things we, we will, will do. do. <laughs> and because they broke it, this is what, what Jehovah is speaking of here, you broke that covenant. Mm-hmm. Now, again, for our audience, don't confuse that with the covenant... 
God made with Abraham, which was unconditional and eternal. Right. But this covenant was broken, thus needed the renewing. The renewing of yes. it, exactly. We need constant renewing of that covenant because yeah. we break that covenant all the time. It's called sin. It's called sin. Great, right. point. Great point. You know, so you're you're seeing, I hope now, uh, uh, these connections. The rabbis were on to something, I think. Okay, oh, yeah. they were definitely on to something. And it's another really interesting thing. I remember when I first learned this, uh, this connection. You know, when Moses came down and they had so quickly engaged in idolatry and built that golden calf, okay, yeah. which is... I, one of the saddest and actually sometimes the funniest stories. I, I always forget that Aaron's like, oh, and this calf just appeared. Like, Aaron, 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 how can you say that? Uh, I know, I know. <laughs> it just it's, appeared. It's heartbreaking. Yeah, it can, that he could so, say that. Yeah. But anyway, so Exodus 32 tells us that Moses called this. Okay, so they're, they're, it's all this revelry. They are engaged in all of this stuff they're not supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. They've quickly forgotten their God. They're mixing in all this other stuff. And so Moses comes down he calls the sons of levi and he says tells them to kill the israelites with their swords for this brazen act of rebellion and three thousand men of the people fell that day clue three thousand yeah okay numbers matter we're gonna hear it again that's right so in acts 2 on that day of shavuot Acts 2.40 says, with many other words, Peter warned them, he warned them, and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation, all right? Brazen act of rebellion, corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. No coincidence. Oh, no wow. Coincidence. You had such a corrupt leadership at the time of, of uh, you know, when Peter was alive here. Um, that was what Yeshua came to address was the corruption. Oh, yes, the the, this brazen act of rebellion. Yeah. And, exactly. And now you have this restoration. This thing, God, God's so beautiful when it comes to restoring. I mean, what did Yeshua do for Peter? He made him three times say that he loved him after he had denied yes. him three times. Here you have 3,000 added after 3,000 had been destroyed. And, and you know, think about before. that, Gary. When those people did their counts when they the disciples how many did you baptize john how about you how about you <laughs> 3000 wow. do you not think they you know immediately it. thought back to this story at mount sinai you know because they were not ignorant of the torah you know no. we today have more bibles and more f- phones and computers and any tablets and anything you want to read the bible yet the, the people of this day were more aware of the word of god than than we will ever yes. be and they immediately would have made that they connection. would have made that connection so it was so, so powerful for them. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, I, I clearly believe that this connection between what happened at Sinai and this particular Shavuot, it, there's a really strong connection there. And that's why to this day, um, the Jewish people heavily connected to the giving of the commandments. That's yeah. the, that's, that's the emphasis because once still, there's still no temple. So there's right. still not anything else they can do. No, it's the Torah. It's, you know, it's everything. The exactly. Yeah. And in fact, one of the traditions, which um, uh, I've engaged, engaged at least partially in is the staying up all night and mm. reading through part, the Torah. Yeah. Um, how fun is that? That's something they do over in Israel. Mm. And, um, and we've done that. I, um, we've, I tried. We tried. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe maybe to one or two in the morning. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, 
there's another aspect about Shavuot that is co- connected uh, once again spiritually, and it it says that in Deuteronomy 16, where it also talks about Shavuot. Shavuot is talked about in Leviticus 23, and here in Deuteronomy 16, and it says of this particular holiday, rejoice before the Lord your God at the place He will choose as a dwelling for His name, which is Jerusalem, by the way, folks. Mm. You, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, the Levites in your town, the foreigners, the fatherless and the widows living among you. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and follow carefully these decrees. Mm. So this was a holiday of sharing with the non-Israelites. That's okay, right. that's pretty important. Important. It gets real important here. We're yes, moment. it gets real important. Also, Leviticus 23 has the says when you reap the harvest. Gary just was talking about this being a harvest. Okay, mm-hmm. the wheat harvest. I reap the harvest of your land. Do not reap to the very edges of the field or gather the gleanings of your harvest. Leave them for the poor and the foreigner residing among you. I am the Lord your God. Now, those rabbis, pretty smart. They obviously realize that you could look at the book of Ruth. Mm -hmm. It occurs during the wheat season. And we see her doing what? Gleaning from the corners of the field. Mm -hmm. This is one of my most favorite things to point out about this feast instruction. Kathy, you know me. I've talked about this before. I love the fact that that's the last instruction about the spring feast, Shavuot, It's the last thing we see before the big gap between the spring feast and the fall feast. And you have Ruth taking advantage of that provision. And Ruth, our prototype Gentile who comes in and says, your God shall be my God, your people, my people. Mm, The the very thing that as as we try to tie this all together, I said that God said to Jacob, you will be a company of nations. He he was hinting to him, telling him then, they didn't realize there would be the nations would come in and be a part. We see Ruth being that prototype of a Gentile coming in and being a part of, you know, understanding that the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob was the one true God. We mentioned Cornelius, another biblical example of somebody recognizing right. the Right, she wasn't the first she to join the, Israel, no, but, but the prototype, the, the I like prototype, that word. I, the reason I call her a prototype is because of her confession. Yes. Your God is my God, mm. your people, my people. And it's no, it's no, it's a very sincere, uh, all the way to the point of death, um, we'll stay with you type of confession. That is what I love about Ruth as our example. You and I sit here today saying the same thing to to our, our brothers and sisters, the Jewish brothers and sisters, your God is my God, your people, my people. It's all tied together. And that's what I think what Shavuot that we are talking about here, that the, that the churches dubbed Pentecost, was, was an example of the first fruits being being uh, of this renewed covenant, share, going to the world and bringing in the Gentiles, bringing in yes. people like you and I. Uh, oh, that can almost make me cry. Mm. I love it. It's so powerful. Mm. It is so powerful. That's what these holidays are, Gary. When you start to understand this, you can't do anything but just go, 
Wow, God, um, you are so awesome. <laughs> you have thought you go, of God. everything. I love cheering everything. him on. Think of his faithfulness and his consistency and this, this stream of consistency that runs from Genesis all the yes. way to Revelation um, that has gone overlooked yes. by so much of yes. the church. You know, that spirit of Shavuot, that indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the Ruach HaKodesh, okay, in Hebrew, is available to all people who put their trust in Israel's God, just like Ruth did, both native-born and the, and the non-Israelites. And this concept of sharing was also demonstrated beautifully at this mm. first, this, this, uh, this, this Shavuot here. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. That's Once right. again, spiritually, the world has a need for a savior, right? Mm, and so you sell everything to follow this Messiah, right? right. And, and and in that you are you know you bring this to the world that has such need for a Messiah. Mm. You know, we'll give up everything well for that pearl of yes, great price, right? Great price, you know, yeah. and, and 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 to do that, and that's what a true disciple does. You give up everything for this, but the benefit it is for the rest of the world. Yeah, and think think of that. Think of our world today. I mean, how you know that old saying? How's it how's it working for you? <laughs> I mean, you know, going to hell in a handbasket, and do we think we don't need a Messiah? Exactly. The world is so desperate for the Messiah, you know. And you you said something. The story of Ruth, you know, captures that spirit of Shavuot. And Ruth's words are the true message of the gospel: Amen. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. But unfortunately, for thousands of years, Christianity, the church, air quotes, has interpreted this message as your people are now replaced by my mm. people. Your God is mine, not yours. Oh, so That's sad. the effect of what has happened. Okay, we've separated it. We've taken your God. We've left all of you guys without a God. That's it. That's what we're, that's what happened. Very well said. Kevin. You know, and so when we severed ourselves from our Hebraic roots as a church, we lost so much. When we claimed that our faith was born basically in divorce of the faith of Israel, we opened ourselves up to deceptions and lies. Oh, did we ever. And, you know, the prophet, once again, Jeremiah speaks love Jeremiah. of this. I love <laughs> Jeremiah. You know, in the context, once again, we, ha we, have to, we have to understand the context of these passages. But in context, Jeremiah 16, where he's talking about this final regathering of the the Jewish people back to the land of Israel and that the world would see it and understand it was a greater miracle than the exodus of Egypt. He says to the Gentiles, the Gentiles will come and say, surely our fathers have inherited lies, worthless and unprofitable things. That I believe with all my heart that is speaking about the things that we we've produced this podcast for is the fact that we now need to, we've seen the truth. We understand the context. We understand our connection with our Hebraic roots and the Jewish people. And we have to reject the lies that our fathers have inherited and passed along to us. Now, again, they didn't intentionally mean to lie to us. Right, they right. Just, they, just, they just repeated the things that they were taught year after year for generations. Yes. And we now know that because we've seen the birth of Israel and the and I think it coincides that, that this awakening, the Spirit of God pouring out on us saying the no. Rest 
restoration. The restoration <laughs> yes. process is happening, and now we see it, and we and and now we've made space in our hearts. We've made space for those so those lies could be removed, mm-hmm. and we have this true foundation of our faith. This 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 Pentecost that we know as Shavuot mm-hmm. was not the birth of a new religion. Or, or a new way to worship. It was the next step in God's plan of redemption for Israel and for all those who join Israel through Messiah Yeshua. Absolutely. And, you know, and that is just so important to remember. And, you know, like you said, we are blessed to be living in a time when we as believers are waking up and realizing all that we've been missing. And many of us are searching for truth. We are blessed to be living in the time of the great restoration mm-hmm. when God's nation's been restored, God's people are being brought back home, and God's Torah is being returned to all of his people. Thank you for being with us today. I hope you've learned something that's helpful. And remember, until next time, what the psalmist said, those who love your Torah have great peace and nothing causes them to stumble. Shalom. Shalom, Kathy, and shalom to all. Thank you for listening. Please join us next time on Torah Talk.